Welcome back to our Friday edition of Thinking Logically. We are still in our post-midterm hangover. I am the Paw Father, joined by the doctor, Dr. Joseph Corsi. Happy Veterans Day, Joe. And you, cut, you cut out, Mark. You say Veterans Day or Fetterman's Day? <laughs> it's uh, Well, happy election week, I guess we should say as well, because we still don't know uh, who's won the races in Arizona and Nevada. It's just a whole big mess. And we are joined today by recurring guest, our favorite Ukrainian, Mr. Roman Kozak, GOP political insider. Roman, welcome back. Hey, guys, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. We're going to get into it, Roman. We want to talk about uh, the races here statewide, locally, and then nationally. We know you were on the ground. We know you're, you were involved heavily in a lot of the operations going on across the state. And we wanted to get your opinion on and just talk to you about a few things, pretty much what went wrong. And let's start with the, the race that we just can literally not get over. John Fetterman defeating Dr. Mehmet Oz by like four points. Yeah. I mean, we were, we gave our predictions and we were completely blindsided by this. And mm. we had an episode on Wednesday talking about what we think went wrong, what went wrong. I mean, as it stands now, 98% of the vote in, Fetterman's up by 226,000 votes, Roman. We saw all the polling going the exact opposite way. I mean, what what happened here? <laughs> Welcome to this uh, post-mortem where if you look around everywhere you go, everyone's given their two cents about what happened. Um, and to be frank, there's disagreement everywhere. And um, I, I do think it's one of those things that I've learned in life about especially with politics is we are still really are really early in this process of trying to figure it all out. So anyone who tells you right at this moment that this is, this is exactly why, you know, so-and-so lost they're doing, they're just, they're just, I think they're jumping way ahead of themselves. Um, It it is going to take, I think a few weeks to, if not a month or more to really make sense of things as more data is looked at, it's trying to break down some stuff, but, uh, the reality is, guys, I mean, like, I hate to say it, but um, a lot of these uh, polls were right. Um, and the ones that we were sort of mocking before, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with that. I think that the polls, some of these major pollsters over, have made some corrections. I mean, they all did their typical thing where it was these massive gaps and they did tighten. But when they tightened, they were a little more accurate. Um and some of the overcompensation for the quote unquote for uh, unspoken Republican vote, I think, uh, was was just frankly, that's what it was. It was overcompensation. And it's interesting because before the election, like two days before, I don't even remember who I was reading. Some Politico was explaining that he was really concerned that there was going to be an overcompensation. Um, for Republicans um, because of the worries of the last couple of times about how we totally undercompensated. Um, and that seems to have been the case. So I, I don't really know, you know, as far as the polling goes, there, there's, it's, it's tough. It's, the reality is, is that a lot of these things, I think real clear politics, particularly if those of you guys know those uh, polls, especially their averages. Fetterman was about 4%, but then they had their compensation for last time 
where they would, you know, up the compensation to Oz winning. So it was like four or five points and they gave it to Oz, especially because it's a midterm when Biden is president. So that's where we are, man. It's, uh, I mean, I if you had know, attributed, which way you want to take that, but yeah, I mean, if you had attributed it to, I mean, one or two or three factors, I mean, what would you say Oz's deficiencies were? I mean, how, how does John Fetterman Roman get elected to the Senate? Can you hear me? Yes, I got you. Yeah. Sorry, my app yeah. connection there was. I, just Joe and I have been. I mean, I, I honestly will never get over this. How Pennsylvanians voted a man who can't put together a sentence to the United States Senate. It's unbelievable. What would you say the, like the two or three deficiencies were? Like, where did, you know, how, how, how does this happen? Well, so you guys understand, of course, I'm sure you've talked about this or seen this. You, you realize now why Fetterman's team waited to do the debate until the day after, um, you know, all the mail-in and registration stuff was, was to be finalized. That was purposeful. That was extremely strategically purposeful, you know, and it worked, uh, worked very well. Um, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Now here's the thing too, is like, you know, of all the mail-in ballots, it's like 80% of the mail-in ballots that were requested were Democrats and 80% of the returns, you know, were Democrats. So it's, that's heavily favored. So it makes you wonder anyways, like would they still have, have gone for Fetterman anyway? Um, right. And so it's like, you, but there was definitely that firewall built in with selecting that particular date. Um, I really don't think, um, Dr. Oz was that bad of a candidate. I understand, you know, the TV doctor thing. I do think that the Fetterman team, their messaging was, um, in the people that handled all of that. I was always extremely impressed with the way that they handled their campaign and they sort of, uh, they they were able to to really control the narrative um much of the time um and there are some people to i think you know like mitch mcconnell and stuff at the national level that that undermined some of these campaigns by coming out a couple months ago saying they have a candidate problem and specifically sort of referencing people like dr oz so yeah that that didn't help um and mitch mcconnell's got to be gone by the way sorry to interrupt but go ahead <laughs> Oh, I know that whole discussion is going to be. I, I can tell you for a fact that inside a Republican world right now is like, it's not in chaos. Like, you know, people are like the media is like, oh, you know, Republicans are asking what's going on. But there is serious conversations happening right now um, about, you know, how is the party move forward from here? And there's a lot of opinions going around. We're going to see how that rolls out. But yeah, I think Betterman's job, I mean, his his the people who ran his campaign i mean they controlled the narrative and uh i mean i would run into voters in different places you know even blue collar voters the typical person you might label as that you know uh what the media calls you know non-college educated working class you know white middle class whatever that might be and uh, i flipped the vote literally on election day talking to a guy but he was background he is this blue collar guy. He's one of us. And I was like, it worked. That's when I was there. I was like, oh, now, no, where, it worked. Where, do you, where did he, he hear that stuff from? Because it's, it's not all coming from the Fetterman campaign. You have the media going out and, and shilling for this guy, too. So if, if you're watching CNN or MSNBC, you might think that John Fetterman is just disabled. He's just a disabled guy that they're making fun of. 
Mm-hmm. And, and Roman, yeah. you're, you seem like a smart guy. Remind me, what is John Fetterman's disability exactly? What is his disability? Well, we know he had a stroke, right? Yeah, so, but that's not really a disability. I mean, a disability is right. like, hey, I need, I need, uh, I'm blind. I can't see. Or, well, I need... you know, auditory processing, whatever that might be, you know. But we don't know like... because he's never released his medical records. I mean, right. you don't have to answer this, obviously. I'm just, I'm yeah, just yeah. playing devil's advocate. Right. Speculative. It, 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 it's crazy. But at what point is, is the media complicit? Uh, they, are, they, were, they were running damage control for a candidate that has serious mental capacity problems. Yeah. That, that is criminal in my, in, in my mind. Well, they, they, I mean, they're not the main. They're they're a main problem too. You're never you're never gonna win. You guys are never gonna win if it, going against the media like that because it, it's too hard. You're 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 fighting against the Democratic Party and then you're fighting against it's like high school narratives that are rumors are flying all around. You gotta you gotta dispel lies before any truth. And then two, and we can get into this later. The ballot harvesting that is just your MPA. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think Tucker Carlson said it well the other night. I actually transcript of his segment. I didn't watch, but he made a very good point. And I think people have been saying this for a while. But the reality is, is conservatives institution of society pushing against them, um, the education system, um, the major right Wall Street um, with all this ESG stuff. Um, Corporate you know, America. higher education, corporate America, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I mean, you know, you know, and they say that ultimately it's like conservatives kind of have one or two news outlets, if that, um, and you're uh, us, you know, our own little podcasts. And I mean, we don't get me wrong. Of course we've got conservative media is actually, a, is, it's pretty, um, successful it's, it's and it has massive following and, it, and i think big part of that is because you know people are looking for those and should stuff like where can i actually go because everywhere and here's the other thing i want to point out especially with that fetterman race is um i don't know if you guys saw turnout for 29 and under uh in a midterm election was record setting i mean it was like the second to 2018 but Usually for a midterm, it's around 19, 20% of uh, 29 and under comes out. And it was closer to 30 this time. And uh, social media, man, that they, if you watched Fetterman, I followed a lot of the, the accounts, uh, TikTok, that sort of thing. They were, they nailed they... Shapiro's social media makes so much more sense now, in hindsight. With everything was about college kids and, and even uh, even high school kids he was going after. I mean, obviously they had to be eighteen, but he was he he was circling the wagons around the youth vote. But yeah, and that can I, get I, you an extra votes. Yeah, and a lot of the females under in that in that Generation Z uh, subgroup that you just mentioned voted Democrat based on abortion rights and things like that. And, and based on the wrong reasons for abortion rights, because they, they were under the presumption that if, if Doug Mastriano got elected governor, that that would be it for abortion be done illegal. You'd have to die before you aborted a baby. He was going to leave it up. If I'm wrong here, correct me. He was going to leave it up to the state legislator. I thought, am I wrong? The state's the new uh, Senator Mastriano. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 uh, he's anti-abortion. There's no, Right. And, and the, the thing, thing is, is that, you know, he did make 
comments about how not even, you know, standing pretty boldly on not even giving an exception for life of the mother, um, which, you know, even as someone who's as conservative and pro-life as I am, and even as someone who calls myself a Christian, which I am, um, that seems to me even to be outside of the norm. Um, you know, there's the debate, but uh, that... <laughs> That that particular one there, it was like, I think even that was kind of like, well, so they, they you know, the Democrats right away heard that and it's like, this is gold. And we're just going to run this over yeah. and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, he did put himself in a pickle there. But I mean, hey, if that's what he believes, that's I don't actually, you know, I mean, that is what it is. But it's just it was that was difficult to overcome. Hey, people, Josh Shapiro believes you should be able to transition as, a, as an eight year old child or 10 year old child to each their own. I mean, everyone has crazy views in, the, in this race, if you think about it. Yeah, and it's the fair, right? It's like what kind of coverage is going to be given to them? Um, the, it's, you know, and like you said, you have that working against you. But check, I don't know if you guys heard this. This is something that um, someone sent to me. So in this election, married men broke for Republicans by 20 points. Married women broke for Republicans by 14 points. Married men broke for Republicans by seven points. But by Like, and I'm glad you did this off because this is this goes back to what's going on in our culture and our society. It's the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown yeah. of the nuclear family. It's the emphasis on work over having a family, having children, getting married. You don't hear about this in our in our in our culture today. It's all about and which is fine, empowering women, um, you know, but it's not about having family, having a family raising children. You can do both. Yeah. But I think like you said, a lot of these, a lot of these women who are unmarried uh, broke for Democrats, one based on abortion rights and two, because I mean, what, what difference would it make between an, an unmarried female and a married female with children? There's a, that's a big disparity there, Roman. And I think it's an overarching theme going on in our, in our society. I don't know how the Republican party can fight back against that and to pull those people over to the Republican side. It's just remind yeah. them every day, remind them every day for the next two years, because it's going to be painfully obvious. Pennsylvania is probably going to get worse for the next two years, especially if Democrats are they getting the house, the state house. Um, we, that's a whole, if we start diving into that right now, we can, that'll be a little bit, if you want to make uh, it, that's uh, something we can talk to, but yes, there's, there's a lot to talk about there. Just remind them every day. I don't know. I don't care how much cost ads, everything, social media, this is what they voted for yeah yeah i mean the but you're never, never going to win you're never going to win when they could ballot harvest and they could start off the election day leading leading by like four five hundred thousand votes yeah i know that's it's a major problem um and i mean the reality is too with a lot of these things we got to remember a lot of us are politicos and stuff but um conservatives don't want everything to be political like that's the thing the marxist leftist ideology is to make everything political everything turn it into a you know demographic class warfare you know this for us everything political and they're winning in that sense of the culture and the reality is is politics is always downstream from culture so we're not going to be able to legislate some of these things and we've got to win the battle for ideas, which is why it's important to have conversations and get people actually to have alternative means of finding out information rather than just mainstream media. But 
Um, the battle for the culture is starting institutionally. And right now, unfortunately, conservatives have every institution up against them. So, and we're, the crazy thing is though, is that we're still, we're still winning like in many places. And though the other night was sort of a debacle, it wasn't the red wave. Um, I mean, we got to remember places like Florida and Kentucky and some of these other big races that were won in the state in New York that should have never happened. I mean, yes, Republicans lost races that should have. There's more going making us think that this is a total disaster for Republicans. Um, that was the better answer to that. Uh, well, let's talk about Mar market briefly. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. there's really not much Go to say ahead, on Mark. this one. Go ahead. Did, I was going to say, do you? I, I wanted to just touch briefly on Mastriano versus Shapiro. I mean, again, not much no, to let's say. Do that. Doug got Doug got absolutely blown out of the water in this race. I, I mean, uh, uh, we said this before when you were on here. Uh, he, I think, his unwillingness to come to the middle, at least in some issues, really hurt him. He got outspent by a crazy amount by the Shapiro campaign. They were literally attacking him the day after the primary, and it didn't stop for six months, Roman. Um, and I think all those ad dollars came back came back to help Shapiro. And, ad and additionally, I think Mastriano hurt Oz ultimately by not yeah. pulling those two. They were not they weren't working together. You know, it was more like you had that split ticket voting, um, and I just think that ultimately, uh, you know, he he just wasn't probably the best candidate, although. You know, a lot of us agree with some of the, some of his issues. It's just, you know, I don't know what 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 were some of the breakdowns there. I mean, candidate quality absolutely matters, um, and we can't say that across the board. That was the reason why Republicans lost in each and every situation. But like, candidate quality is absolutely going to matter. And yeah, I mean, his campaign made some very um, very poor decisions, um, and <laughs> I mean. Man, there's so much we could get into with with all of those those things, but the reality is, guys, Pennsylvania is a, a purple state. Like, and you've got to be able to win independent voters. You've got to be able to convince them that um, you're not crazy and fringe. Even you know, I'm not saying that's what he was. I, I don't think he's some sort of crazy. Fr you know, we talked about this last time. Um, but I mean, there the and even you know, I didn't talk to the media, so he didn't get that attention time. That's what. Uh, a Trump was able to, at least, despite the fact that everyone called him crazy, he would still talk to everybody in the media and, and at least have, I guess, a stage, right, um, where he could say some things or do some things to help defend himself. Um, you know, you can't just go out and hold rallies with your base and just assume you're going to win Pennsylvania. Um, if you just keep doing, like, keep campaigning to your base the entire time, like, that's not going to win Pennsylvania. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. I don't know what would have won off. Pennsylvania for Doug, because it, I, I think he should, just should have ran on the fact that, hey, my name's Doug Mastriano. I was against the lockdowns. I went on TV almost every day in April of 2020 against the lockdowns. And I was basically right about everything when it came to how Pennsylvanians were treated in 2020 in 2021. I, that should have been his messaging. He should have ran on that. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into the money aspect of it because I think it's really like, I don't know, the country club Republican stuff. There was also a race in New Hampshire where um, Sununu wouldn't give any attention at all to, uh, I forget the Senate candidate's Baldick. name. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's in party fighting. And you wonder if he's doing it just 
I don't know. Sununu won by how many percentage points? I, I, I can't explain it. Why, why this happens like this? I thought Here's Matt Prieto ran an absolutely bizarre campaign. I mean, it was just like you said, Roman. It was just he was campaigning to his base and he wasn't talking to the media. It was just so, so weird the way he was going about things. And it was just like you can't rely on Republican voters only. And not even Republican voters were voting for him. They were going over to Shapiro. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, That's it was the thing just is, a yeah. weird campaign. And, well, you know, and the effectiveness of Josh Shapiro's campaign is how he was able to sort of, um, you know, we saw this, you see this with Bob Casey in the Senate. They know, the Democrats know how to win statewide races in Pennsylvania because they create a candidate molds like that look kind of like, you know, bland, but that it's like this moderate sort of, you know, I'll bring everybody together type candidate. And, uh, They've done it successfully over and over again, even though someone like Josh Shapiro was the AG that enforced all the rules in the shutdown. Well, and, um, you know, was, was <laughs> the heavy hand was always behind any threatening of threatening of business shutdowns. And, you know, he took the little to the, you know, the highest court in the land. Um, I mean, someone like problem. that is in the How many people do you think actually know all this stuff that you just stated going into the, the midterms? Not, not too many voters probably oh, knew all I that mean, stuff. No. Nope. Nope. There Just like not too many voters probably watched the debate. They, they probably didn't watch the Fetterman-Oz Fetterman, uh, debate. So they just think, oh, Fetterman just has a little bit of a disability. And Oz is picking on him. Yeah. You yeah. have to watch I mean, it. Right. For our listeners, you have, to, you have to watch it with your own two eyes. You have to see it with your own two eyes. You got to pay attention. You got to be an educated voter. Yeah. And not, you know, there's a lot of people that go to vote that, frankly just not as uh don't keep up with it as much a lot of the noise was there and i you know i mean where i am in pennsylvania and beaver county you know and the west even at the polls themselves um man i'll tell you like you could see there was a lot of people coming out that when they'd approach you i you know everyone knows who they're voting for i work i go out and i I greet people at the polls and stump for candidates and try to help friends and things like that. And I'm out running around getting numbers all day, reporting back to whoever at the party. And um, there was a lot of people who were walking up saying things like mentioning in passing about their ticket being split. And I knew right then and there, I'm like, well, I know what that looks like, especially in conservative Beaver County. People were voting for Oz, but then people were voting Shapiro. Um, And the numbers show it, even in some of the most conservative (laughs) precincts, like I, I was blown away. Shapiro beat Mastriano and like our most Republican blood red, whatever, Ruby red, whatever you want to call it areas. Doug wasn't, he wasn't really winning that much. Um, he lost Beaver County. Where I am. He lost Beaver County. Wow. He lost Beaver County. Yes. I mean, this is the biggest gubernatorial margin in an open race since the 1940s. Yeah. I mean, they voted, they voted for the dude that, that, that was basically locking everyone down. And and the and the special needs guy. It's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious to me. Well, Remember, the Democrats, the Democrats yeah. are good. I mean, at, at like you said, Roman, winning these campaigns, messaging. I mean, that's ultimately what it boils down to. Candidate. I mean, I, although I think Fetterman was a terrible candidate, you know, apparently people across the state thought he was a good candidate because he uh, had that. How many people at Friendship Ridge thought John Fetterman was a good candidate and voted for him? They they used the ballot harvesting. I'm I'm telling you, we'll never. Republicans will never win another election until until the mail-in ballots get fixed. And that's what I want to talk about next, Roman, is the mail-in balloting. 
the mail-in ballots, the mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. I mean, do the Republicans have any concern over this? I mean, how do you combat something like this that is an absolute weapon for the Democrats? It's a Trojan horse, really. You know, and I think that the Democrats will be competitive in every single race from now until eternity until while there's Mellon voting going on. Do you disagree? Yeah, I mean, this is unfortunately, um, this is not a short term battle any longer. Uh, we, I think that ship has sailed in our area, at least, is what I'm saying, in Pennsylvania. Um, the re- mail-in balloting, balloting is generally fairly popular. Um, it, you know, it does, it, some people, I'm not saying that this is good or bad, but it does sort of have its own ID requirement. You have to provide your ID number and your address and all that sort of stuff with the mail-in balloting. So there's this sort of um, messaging here that it does have, you know, a sense of... Uh, security to it or I, I you know verification um but the the ballot harvesting is where is the issue and i i know for a fact um i've had a particular lawyer show me and talk to me about how you can see these batches of ballots arrive um, on the same date from the same address so with the same address meaning like an apartment building right in the city um so that only happens right when you get 50 100 whatever ballots arrive at the same time on the same date, you know, dated the same from the same address, you know that that's ballot harvesting. Um, And like, I mean, that's, that's the assumption, right? You can't 100% prove that, but maybe maybe everyone- You're never gonna prove it, yeah. Right, every resident there. And this, the mail-in ballot thing, yes, the chain of custody, I just, the, the Democrats have a ground game that they were prepared for to go into places and get people to fill out ballots and um, canvas for those things. Because uh, that obviously is going to get them there. And I know the discussion right now is, well, the reality is this is what we're stuck with and uh, at this time. And either Republicans get good at it or we suffer the consequences. Because if you look at the down-ballot races, like especially in conservative areas, Republicans are still doing just fine. Uh, they're winning by really big margins, but these statewide races are killing us because of what's going on in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Exactly what I said last episode. Yeah, exactly. you did say that. And, and, and when you say between what's going on in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I mean, what what do you mean? I mean, can you be more specific as to? Yeah, I are mean, we talking I just, about ballot harvesting, or are we talking about drop boxes? Um. Just what I mean as far as, yeah, like, uh, I mean, first off, this, if you look at the map in, in general and across the country, the cities and coastline city, you know, the major metropolises, they're continuing to get more blue and the other areas are continuing to get more red. And then you've got these sort of suburban areas that are sort of the battlegrounds. But, the, but if you can go ahead and get all of these mail-in ballots, whether that's by harvesting or canvassing to get people um, those ballots completed and what, whatever that is, however that looks in that operation. Um, that's what I mean when it comes to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh is they have the crop of people there to do it. The, the, the density of people is an advantage, right? If you can go to a couple different buildings that have high rises that have, you know, I don't know, hundreds of registered Democrats and work those buildings and pay people to go work those buildings, then it's, it's going to be hard to overcome. Where do they get um, the money for? Where do they get the money to pay all these people? I don't know. Well, you know, it's like I don't have all of the specific details, but the regu- the way that these sorts of things work generally is like 
if the Democratic National Committee wants to put money into operations, they might put it into whatever they label it canvassing operations or something. Um, you know, that could go to the PA Democrats. Um, those then could that money can be delineated to different organizations. I don't know if you've ever had any progressive groups um, call you or show up at your door. You see them. The Democrats are really good. They have these groups that are like, you know, Citizens for Justice, right? Or like Justice United or like they these have really good vague, names. really good names, terms, right? Now, who isn't yeah. for justice, right? Who isn't for being united? Uh, <laughs> but these are these groups that on the floor, you know, they're getting paid for their dollars an hour to go and canvas and not just drop off door hangers. Like this is where the Republicans and conservatives kind of stink. Like they pay people to go out and canvas. But uh, as one political consultant I saw said, you know, every, there, there's going to be groups of people in 2024 that are going to think it's a good idea to dump all this money in for canvassers to walk around, mail or knock on people's doors and say, hey, vote for this guy. And uh, the reality is, is that that did not win the elections. Um, and it goes to show that all of those candidates where that happened for that those people lost. Um, the Democrats are putting money, I think, more into operations where they can, but saying, okay, well, these places have mail-in ballots. Like, that's where we're going to get our votes. So we're going to go canvas for that specific purpose. I mean, the Republicans have to start making more inroads in cities. They have to change the messaging because they're just getting, like you said, clobbered in the Philly suburbs, in, in, in the city of Philadelphia, and in Allegheny County. I, I just don't know how you win statewide races, like you said, if you're going to get clobbered in, in these areas. It's just, they have to start changing their approach, I think, in, in, some, of these, in some of these places. Yeah, their messaging needs, the, uh, there's, messaging's a big thing. Like I said, winning the culture, the ideas. I mean, cities are sort of the ground zero for culture, and they represent, I think, at large, where the culture's moving with media and stuff like that. So that's obviously really important. But again, there is a lot of, uh, you know, voters that you can go after like low frequency voters um, people who don't vote in lots of elections now with mail-in ballots you know you can get those votes locked in like they're not going to forget election day was there they're not going to they were working all day and they couldn't get to the poll like you can now lock those in months before people who probably wouldn't have showed up anyway you can show up at their their door or their apartment and say hey you know are you worried about these things? Yeah. Well, you better vote for these candidates here. I'll fill out this mail-in ballot, you know, or this is yeah. how you request it. I'll be back around to confirm that you filled it out. Oh, thank you. Like, it's great to have that reminder. It's a person there to like, it's almost like a personal secretary for your vote. Yeah. This is why, this is why election day should be like Thanksgiving or Christmas. It should be a, a holiday where there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to do but vote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've mentioned that, that before. Yeah. Well, Florida does it right. Yes, they do. So, that I was going to mention that down in later in the episode, but Florida, it's amazing that, you know, I, and I thought Pennsylvania was a little bit better this time around. There wasn't that 3 a.m. vote dump, uh, you know. Uh, they were pretty much on, you know, it, it, we knew who won by what midnight, 1 a.m. It wasn't like they were waiting days to find out who won in Pennsylvania, like in 2020. But Florida, I mean, you know who within who wins within an hour of the polls closing. Sixty-eight minutes they have were well over ninety percent reporting. Sixty-eight minutes, and they have early voting in person, and they have mail-in voting. So, it, and then you look at what's going on. Uh, yeah. Is it ten p.m. or something? Is that is that they have something like that? That has to be finished by ten p.m. Yeah, and Arizona, Nevada are still counting, <laughs> and we'll get into that later on, but. That's just, yeah, that's a whole disaster. But let's talk about Chris Deluzio and Jeremy Schaefer. 
mm-hmm. the vacated seat from Connor Lamb. Now, Beaver County went to Jeremy Schaefer. But yeah. how does Deluzio win by 10 percentage points? Is it back to – I mean, the candidate quality – I thought Jeremy Schaefer was a decent candidate, but did Deluzio outspend him that much? I mean, he had to clobbered Schaefer in the suburbs. Yeah, which he did. Which my mind. He did. Um, Allegheny County, we, we just couldn't overcome it. And, um, you know, I, I think some of the, one of the lessons you learn from across the country is that the top of the ballot, whoever's perceived in the state as the top of the ballot is going to hurt those larger races, uh, other larger races in the state. So Pennsylvania, the Democrats were able to frame the top of the ballot as Mastriano. Um and so there's an association, right? So you run a ton of ads on Jeremy Schaefer about extreme abortion positions, right? Um, which, by the way, you know, that's not, but, you know, these, these ads, they manipulate everything. So they're not necessarily telling the truth. And that's probably understating it. But um, so Jeremy Schaefer's district Congress, yeah, it was the PA 17. It was, this is Connor Lamb's district, you know, the one that was like, tight as could be. Um, This was the district that was supposed to be a national highlight for Republicans um, to sort of win back, especially with a candidate like Jeremy. And uh, we got absolutely destroyed in the suburbs. And there's two counties. It's all of Beaver County and then part of uh, Allegheny County. Um, And those suburban areas and down into that area of Pittsburgh he has was just, it was a total disaster because he cleaned house in Beaver County absolutely cleaned house i think it was like i was gonna try to look it up it's like i want to say twelve thousand votes or something he won by in beaver county yeah. where mastriano lost by three thousand in beaver county like just think about that like uh and for those that, people that who are out there sense. it's crazy yeah, i was just saying for those people who are out there that don't know our neck of the woods as well or where i am um beaver county is a really good microcosm of that transition of blue collar once democrat transitioning to republican sort of populist i don't know what you want to call it it's a good 80, mixture 80, 80s democrats something like that it's, it's a good mixture picture like 80s uh reagan democrats and and republicans that's what it is yeah so like for to give an example 10 years ago beaver county had a fifteen thousand uh registration advance we're now down to 2300 but Trump won the dis- Trump won the county with fifty eight percent of the vote, so it just gives you an idea. Um, I still can't believe Schaefer. Ten, ten was it, did you say ten thousand marks or ten? You said ten percentage points. No, it was. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at Summer Lee's race. Deluzio won by about six point four percent, which is equivalent to twenty two thousand seven hundred votes that Deluzio won by. Yeah. It was twenty three thousand votes. Like I said. I- the ballot harvesting you you got people like like mm-hmm. I, I don't know maybe he can vote but you got people like i, I saw it on the thing he, he filled out his name wrong sheldon jeter voting <laughs> come on <sighs> there's uh yeah there's there's just the, the whole <laughs> and that's you can lock in low frequency but i mean you can guarantee your high frequency voters right or your you know your we call them in political world. I don't know if you guys, we call them threes, fours, and sometimes fives. This is like numbers that are given to people for like what elections they vote in and like how often. So a four or a five are like super voters. Um, threes are like the ones that maybe don't vote in municipal elections. Twos are the every other years. And like ones are like maybe the ones that come out during presidential years. Um, in 
interestingly, around where we were, we did start actually seeing an increase in some of the low frequency Republican votes from people who were striking at our polls for us, um, which meant those were Trump voters or younger voters coming out. But, you know, if you can quadruple that or even more by getting them to, you know, commit their vote early and getting it in the mail, then that's just that's just a big advantage. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the congressional races nationally near the border, Roman. I mean, we saw, and I don't understand this for the life of me. We saw some districts on the border in Arizona, Southern California, uh, Southern Are the people coming over illegally voting? Jesus! Southwestern Texas on the border of New Mexico. Vote Democrat. Uh, This absolutely blew my mind that some of these districts on the border, uh, if you want to call it even a border, which is a whole different topic, are voting Democrat. I I mean, I don't know what's going on down there. I think, uh, what's her name, Myra Flores. I'm not sure what district that was, lost. She was popular. Yeah, she lost. It was uh, down near the southern part of Texas. Lost to uh, Gonzalez, you know, by eight percentage points. You know, so that's just, I don't know if you were following any of those races, but that really, really shocked me. Um, Some of these border districts went Democrat. Yeah, no, I know. Um, Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like I, that's the, those are the areas that I didn't see. Other than the fact that I know that when Republicans may have flipped some of those, it were already tight margins. Um, so it's not going to take much to flip it back. What was the, were any of those races like blowouts or were they all pretty close? I mean, I'd seen that they'd lost. Um, I mean, Arizona is not even close to being done tabulating. I mean, you have like 70% of the vote in and it's We'll, we'll have you on in Arizona December. Is a total Arizona. Joke. Yeah. yeah we'll a have you on in December to discuss Arizona <clears throat> when they finish. I mean, 87% reporting in South Texas. You know, so we have, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if we'll ever see these election, this election reform that we need to see. It's just that we can't vote. We can't tabulate votes on election day. We're still into this and it's not, there's no end in sight. And the crazy thing is literally like, this is no joke. During the civil war, when the civil war was happening, People were counting ballots by candlelight, by hand, with no electronic help. That we knew the winners of these elections within a day or two. <laughs> In Arizona, you know, I mean, it's not a little state, but one state in comparison to the whole country, they're like talking like stuff. We might know. Roman, Roman, how about? How about Clark County in Nevada? Clark County, Las Vegas. That's Clark County. So yeah. you're telling me a place that has more automatic dealing machines and card counts. They, they can't. They can't figure it out. They can't figure it out yet. What are we going to see next? A, a, a Siegfried and Roy magic show with with disappearing ballots and reappearing ballots somewhere? Because that's what seems to be happening over there. Yeah. Is chain of custody not a big deal at all? I don't know. Like. You know, I've, I'm hearing things like in our area around Pittsburgh, they're telling me like how quickly Allegheny County can get the ballots counted. And they, but it's because they have 300 people working around the clock in a warehouse and people verifying and checking and so forth. But, you know, in a smaller county like where I am in Beaver County, like they just don't have the funds and the manpower to do that. But they're still able to get the ballots counted within, you know, by 7 a.m. the next morning. 
my understanding was they even had to finish earlier than that, but they were just, you know, double checking everything. And I've only heard praise from both Republicans and Democrats in, on air, in our area, but just how great of a job they did at our, at our courthouse. Um, so that's good to hear that those sorts of things are going on. And I'll tell you what, the Republican committee or the Republicans across the state and across the country are doing a phenomenal job with voter integrity stuff on election day. Um, there's a whole army of people out there and I saw it here in Pennsylvania, poll watchers everywhere, volunteers, people who are trained, they had trainings, they had all this great stuff going on that was really a, uh, a positive and, and I think encouraging people to realize that like there really isn't like a lot of shenanigans going on in a lot of these places. But the reality is, is I think that we've got to go back to the cities and recognize there and that the vote wasn't necessarily won on election day. And the, the, the funny business is not really happening. If there is any, which I think all of us here agree that there's, we know and we have historical proof that there's funny business that happens, but now it's happening three weeks before the election. Yeah. Um, before we talk about, and I want to Trump, and I know Joe is, uh, has a strong opinion on, on that subject. Let's talk about the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, you know, which could be a firewall to a Shapiro governorship. The Republicans had a 23-seat majority, and they literally blew it. I mean, the Democrats are on the verge of taking the House, and they might be by a seat or two. How in the world do you blow a 23-seat majority? Well, we had redistricting occur and we had new maps and the Democrats were in control of that whole process. I right. don't know if you remember that. So um, I'll be honest that the, the Republicans in our state thought that there was, that we were going to lose the majority sometime probably in the next two to six years. And, and I, what I mean is not this year. This was wow. still too early. Um, just because of the name. And that was on the assumption that Republicans are going to win at the midterms. Republicans are probably going to take back the White House. 20, 26 is probably going to be ugly for us because the, the maps are now a little tighter. And, you know, the way historical elections go, I think a lot of people in Re the Republican world were looking at 26 as the year. That's like, a, that might be the time. For it to happen right now was a total, um, it was totally, totally caught everyone off guard. I mean, we, I, I'm pretty sure last time I was with you guys, that was like, the House and the Senate are a lock. Like, right. I mean, in every piece of evidence, the polling, the internal polling, the historical results of elections showed that, you know, we're going to lose some seats, but we're going to have the House. Like, there's no way we're going to lose three or four of these seats, um, these, these other seats to get us down to where we are. So here's the conundrum in Pennsylvania that I was saying that you have to unpack, and it's going to bring up you got to keep an eye on this because there's a parliamentarian and constitutional, I don't want to call it crisis, but stuff going on right now and like what's going to happen. So say these last few seats we're waiting on, everything's sort of pointing to the fact, I mean, these are literally like, like tens of votes, like separating candidates. And um, Democrats say they pull away with 103 to 100, which it seems like that might be the case or 102 to 101. So just that slim majority. Wow. The Democrats have three seats that are now vacated or will be vacated. So one was a, a man, uh, last name was DeLuca, state representative, um, who passed away actually just like a week before election. Yeah, I heard so many great things about him. He's a very decent man and um, very sad to hear that, you know, that, that he, he ended up passing away like a week before the election. 
Um, but he ended up still, he was on the ballot and I'm sure again, state representative race, things like that. People don't hear as much, but, and also in his honor, people voted for him and it was, it's a very Democrat area. So he won. Um, so, but he's obviously he passed away. So that seat will be vacated. Summer Lee won her congressional race. She's going to be, so her seat's going to be vacated. And Austin Davis, the new Lieutenant governor also was a state representative. So we're going to be at this point where we're going to have 100 Republicans and 100 Democrats with three vacated seats. And the question is how both sides vote for their leadership. When we get to swearing in day in January, um, that's usually when the house or the, you know, the speaker of the house is picked and the majority leader and so forth. So those are voted in like it's that traditional process. It's swearing in day, but there's like discussion now. It's like, okay, Austin Davis is going to hold off on swearing in a lieutenant governor so he can there to vote for that. Summer Lee actually might show up, even though she's going to be a member of Congress, so that they could vote in a They'll get sworn in and vacate. So then they won't be in the majority anymore. So it's like, who's the speaker? Can the Republicans then call a special session? Will they be in the majority then? But then three weeks later after, or a month later when they hold special elections, will the Democrats be back in power? It's going to be a total, it's just going to be a mess. That is very interesting though. That is very interesting to follow. Yeah. What's going to happen with that? Yes. Reality is it seems more like it's going to favor the Democrats, but it's still like, (laughs) who knows? Like someone else could croak in the next two weeks. Like we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, there's, a, there's old people around still in, in the legislature have been there for a long time, but, you know, who knows? Like, we just don't know what's going to happen in the midst of that. And, you know, there, just that thin of a majority and all the parliamentarian and constitutional questions, you know, it'll probably end up in court or whatever. But I don't know. I don't, I'm just sitting here looking at this, asking people, and they're all looking at me like I have no idea. Interesting. Yeah. But it'll be fun to watch. If you like, think that's fun. Back to what you no, said about the map. If I was a different state, I wouldn't care as much. I'm not going to lie, but this is our state. When did yeah. the maps get redrawn, Roman? Is that every 10 years? Yes. Yeah, Great. so the census is held right every 10 years, and then the maps are set up for – so, like, the next time the maps – you know, there'll be a census in 2030, and then the maps will be 2032. Um but there was all kinds of delays and wackiness with the map process because of COVID and the census and the delays and, you know, the lawsuits about who should be counted and who shouldn't be counted. And that, that, that's, there's what the voter rolls right there. I mean, I don't know if it's as bad as Pennsylvania and California, some of those states out West with illegal immigrants, but you go in a state, like I think it's Minnesota. If you're an illegal immigrant, you automatically get a driver's license. And once you get a driver's license, you're automatically on a voter roll. Yeah. It, the system is insane to me. I don't know if it's like that here in PA. I just, it's sad that I know so much more about other states than Pennsylvania, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're an anomaly. The United States is a t- of the developed Western world with these voting stuff. Mark, I think, Mark, I sent you something about that. Um, just the fascinating breakdown of, of, you know, we are like, you just look at the other countries in the developed world all around us, all over Europe, like we are like the most liberal in voting laws. Like in, it's just, it's like not even close. Um, the way that we handle our elections, other countries like France and 
um, Spain and Germany, just, just the way that they handle it. Canada, Mexico, all these voter ID requirements, you know, no mail ballots. If there is, you have to have ID and you have to go pick it up yourself. And there's all this chain of custody protection. And, and here we are in the United States. It's like, you know, if you can, it, it, there's so many places. It's like, it just doesn't matter. I don't get it. If you, if you want to board, if you want to board a plane, you got to show your ID. You got to show your, if your ID is spelled wrong, just, just like on an envelope, if your name is spelled wrong on your boarding pass, they're not going to say, Oh, sure. Go, go right. Go right ahead. Get on the plane. No, there's rules. I'm sorry. It's like that. I'm I'm sorry, but like, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah. You would think the most sacred right that we have as citizens would be protected in a way that would, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. And those, some of those statistics I have written down here because I, every time I go back, I'm just like fascinated by it. 46 of 47 European countries require government issued photo ID to vote. 35 of the 47 European countries, including as Bernie Sanders would say, socialist Norway and Sweden, whatever, you know, all those countries <laughs> do not allow absentee voting for citizens living in the country. They simply just don't allow it. France banned absentee voting altogether. Um, after the voter fraud that they uncovered back in the 1970s. Another 10 uh, of those countries allow absentee voting, but they all require voters to show up in person, present their government-issued photo ID in order to pick up the ballot. Canada and Mexico both require ID to vote. Mexico even uses thumbprints and indelible ink. All right, like, this is like, it's like, like I, I just, I mean, like, well, I don't know what else to tell people. Well, it's here's all, the thing. Democrats are going to make the argument, yeah, but what about the one guy that that, that is foreign, disfranchised, and, and spelled his name wrong? And I'm thinking, like, what about the, 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 the thousands of people in Arizona that showed up and the machine wasn't freaking working and they're still waiting to count the ballots? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's the appeal to emotion. You know, that's 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 how you, you know, and you can win a lot of votes that way and they do that, but um, that's just sad. I mean, the reality is, is that that's that's a narrative we're fighting against but we like this is the kind of stuff like republicans need to get better at messaging at like no we don't just want voter id and 80 percent of the country supports it let's look to every neighbor and show and like tell like look all of these countries all of your liberal bastions of great progress you know whatever they call you know i'm saying that with sarcasm like you know all your, these european countries they're all like it's not even a question it's like both parties are like well duh like obviously you require an id to vote like what do you mean it's it's open for fraud if you don't so i i I don't know man you go to your neighbor and you try to explain this to them they watch cnn msnbc they're gonna think you're a crazy conspiracy theorist and and hate you media has total control so yep um let's wrap up let's talk about the santis and trump this you know, whether this is a media fabricated feud or not, you, you can say that. Um, we saw Donald Trump absolutely blast DeSantis last night on his Truth Social account. Um, I mean, it was like the equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off. I don't know if this will lead to World War III in the, in the Republican Party or not. But, you know, <clears throat> what's your take on, on Trump's effect on this election, if any? You know, he, he did have a pretty a pretty good record, you know, on the, his endorsed candidates winning, but 119 and 16. Yeah. We think, we think he's probably going to announce his candidacy Tuesday from Mar-a-Lago. At least he teased that uh, earlier this week at a rally. I mean, what, what is your take on this? Is is DeSantis the future of the Republican party, you know, or is he a, 
to see someone who you don't think that this is it's his time. I mean, in, in frame that in in the context of <laughs> Trump as well. Um, man, this is the topic that is yeah. This is I think at the it's it's now coming to the surface. It's been in the back of everyone's minds. Um, I think since the, you know, everyone was expecting a, a blowout for Republicans or with this red wave or at least some sort of red wall being created. Um, and the assumption I think was like, and we really can't talk about this Trump factor yet because when we win this, then it's just going to sort of be a paved path for Trump. And I, and now that this has occurred, it's almost like, well, wait a second here. Is this really Donald Trump's party um, at this point? Has he, has he really become the kingmaker? And man, there's so much to talk about here too. I know it's, it's, we can go in different directions. Um, you know, Trump has often picked, you know, candidates where he's won, but the reality is too, is Donald Trump understands polling. So he's going to pick people that are going to win a lot of the time. He, he seems to pick two different types of people, in my opinion. He picks ones that are very loyal to him and his, whatever that looks like. And he picks ones that um, are most likely look like they're going to win um, because I think that benefits him. <clears throat> Um, he's shrewd. He's a tactician with that. You know, you take that however you want with him. Um, Ron DeSantis, the attacking of Ron DeSantis, I think, is a total disaster. Um, Ron DeSantis is extremely popular everywhere he goes. I mean, Florida, he, he has taken this state, this quote unquote purple state that was kind of lean Democrat. He flipped Miami-Dade County. Like this guy has turned Florida into like what Democrats turned California into. Um, he has a, a way about him that I think um, most people are looking for. He can, and he can win those independent voters. I, I, I don't think Trump is like a, necessarily this flash in the pan. I, I mean, what he did policy-wise as president was pretty remarkable. And a lot of the things he did were just, you know, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the Supreme Court we have right now. If it wasn't for him, you know, we wouldn't have all these lower benches filled and judges, um, you know, helping fight some of this extremist stuff going on. But the question now is, is like, did he serve his purpose? Like, did he do what he needed to do? Um, I, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm just, I, I think everybody's processing that right now. And I do think it's time personally that, that we need to, to, in order to prevent this country from unraveling, I think we need uh, a new messenger. I do think Ron DeSantis is someone that could be that. I think there's a lot of really great people on the Republican bench. I absolutely love Tim Scott. I'm not just saying for president. I'm just saying like as a face of the party, um, Tim Scott is an incredible person. Uh, Tom Cotton, um, you know, these types of guys that are out there. Uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Yeah. You know, and there's uh, the two, like some of these, look at the races here, like some of the Trump back candidates, um, like J.D. Vance in Ohio, like Ohio's now a ruby red state and another one of those states, it's ruby red. And like Governor DeWine um, outperformed Trump significantly there. And Vance was like basically one with the same percentage Trump won. Uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia, like, um, you know, he outperformed significantly uh, Herschel Walker. Um, the, the ones who, this is another thing to look at, like the, these, the ones who are outperforming Trump were not Trump's picks. Um, I think that's something to be said there. 
And we got to stop this vitriol too in our party of like this, this sort of like uh, almost tribal stuff. People are exhausted in the country. And I see that around just talking to voters, even in the Republican party, people are so exhausted and they, I don't know if we can handle another election with Trump. Um, I think there's still a possibility he could win, but I just don't know if we can handle it. Like as a country, I really don't. People are exhausted. Independents are exhausted. Conservatives are, it's just, it makes me uneasy. I'll just be frank and honest. Um, Joe, I know you, you have some big takes on this, but before you, you say your, you know, your thing, I, I foresee a major fracture coming in the Republican party because of this. You know, you have people that are team DeSantis. I'm probably one of them, although I would vote for Trump if he ran again. But you just can't nuke a guy like DeSantis and not expect to be some sort of fracture. You know, and I I agree. I think if Trump, when he announces on Monday, if he does, you're going to see a two-year onslaught against him from every media outlet in the country to to let people know that he can't be he can't be president again. And I think you might see low voter turnout on the Republican side in 2024. If that were to be the case, I could be completely wrong. I hope I am. But Joe, what do you think? Okay, so I'm going to take this a couple of different angles. First of all, I mean, this is something I feel like this is a planted narrative to get everyone talking about this. And we're not focusing on the fact we're still counting votes in Nevada and Arizona. I don't think we should be talking about this at all right now. It should be focused on what the Republicans are going to do with the majority in the House and the majority in the Senate, if they get it. Now, let me try to find the whole statement. It's just, when I look to if a candidate or a person is truly America first, like I think Ron DeSantis is, there's a, there's a few of them out there. Um, I, I see, were they in the Freedom Caucus? Pretty much anyone that was in the Freedom Caucus or a previous member of the Freedom Caucus, you might not know who I'm talking about if you're a listener. I'm sure Roman does, for sure. But I, I feel like I could trust them. They are like a, a, a Trump, a Make America First candidate, an America First candidate. So Ron was on that for sure. Um, but it, I think he's a team player. I don't think he's going to eventually run against Trump. I could be wrong. I don't know. But what, what gets me from Donald Trump's statement, um, he also, he, I also fixed his campaign, which had been completely falling apart. I was all in for Ron and he beat Gilliam. But after the race, when votes were, were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County, and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I FBI and U.S. attorneys, and the ballot theft immediately ended, just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win. Now, I look at something like that, and I, I immediately went to, I was like, why would he say that? And then I went to Twitter, and everyone's accusing Trump of voter fraud now. So they're not focusing on Arizona at all. The media is completely ignoring what's going on in Arizona. They're completely ignoring what's going on in Nevada. They ignored what went on in 2020. And now Trump sends a message out about DeSantis, and he has the entire liberal media talking about election fraud. Roman, what do you think? Yeah. um, Are you saying that is a strategic move by him? I think it's possible. I just don't think – I think Ron DeSantis is a team player – what makes me a little bit nervous, and we can get into this later, is the money that just recently went by Paul Ryan. So I expect Fox News and Al Gore and on DeSantis, obviously. But that's my opinion. I think DeSantis is a team player. And see the news media talking heads forced Merrick Garland and the FBI to look into the 2018 election. 
And if they do, I'll remind you, I believe Merrick Garden was sending people from the DOJ, which the FBI is under the DOJ, falls under the jurisdiction, I think, of the DOJ. He was sending the DOJ to um, polling places, if I'm wrong, or outside polling places. It's a way to bring attention to this. Roman, is yeah. well making any sense at all? Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things I think that we need to realize, too, with this is, like, our country is so divided right now. Um, it is such it is such a divide. And, like, even if I, I – it, it seemed this way stuff too. Like, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, finally, like, once this stuff, this evidence gets out there, right? Like, once we find, like, people are finally going to realize, like, what's actually going on with, with the way that they're using these emergency powers and how they're using it to their advantage. And, and like, it would, like, the information would come out and it just didn't matter. Um, people are so hunkered down in their tribes that, like, I just, right now in our culture, in our society in the United States, I have a very hard time. Like, I still think people can be won over. I just think that, you know, we're, we're investigation exhausted. Everybody's investigating every side. No one trusts the investigations. Everybody thinks they're political. You know, it's like, if there's fraud that shows up, someone finds it out. Like, it's just, it's like, I keep wondering, like, okay, say there's some miracle moment where there's this, this clear evidence. It's like, well, you, like, is the media going to present it? Um, and if they do, it's like, and if it even is presented, will it even matter? Will people even like people are just believing what they want to believe at this point. So there's some cultural stuff going on there, but as far as the Trump DeSantis things go, things go, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, the worst possible thing that could happen would be for the Republican party would be to have a DeSantis Trump primary, um, in the short term, that would be a total disaster. Uh, because the de- if the one thing the Democrats are good at, even when they're falling apart at the seams, they always figure out a way to unify to get power back. Um, they've always just been good at that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if how how else would you do it, Roman? <laughs> what's, what's the best way to do it, Roman, than to have the media talking heads bring up a Trump DeSantis beef? They give so much attention. They give so much attention to that nickname. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to drive a wedge, right? 24 is coming down the path. They want to create this narrative and they want to spur it on. But guess what? I mean, Trump's also, uh, he, he's he's the one saying this stuff out there on his media outlets. I just think, I'm sorry, like even, I just think it's such bad taste. I just think it's terrible. I think it's a reflection of, of um, the level that he can go to sometimes that makes the voters that help win the race races like, yeah. And yeah. Like I, I like his policies, but that kind of behavior is just, it's childish, man. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It, it drives me nuts. Um, and I'm saying this is someone who's, you know, like who voted for Trump twice. And if he were the general election candidate next time against someone like a Gavin Newsom, right. Or whatever it might be, it's like a clear and obvious choice for me, but it's also like, his style, man, it's, it's, it's wearing on people. I do think that there's an exhaustion in the party of with it. Um, I'm seeing it everywhere. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that because we have, there's that whole joke about Republicans will always find a way to screw things up. I'm a little bit nervous about that. You make some good points, but I just look on Twitter and I see Andrew Weissman, who you might know as the, uh, he was, I think, number two behind uh, Robert Mueller. 
on, yeah. uh, on that whole debacle. And, and he's, he's actually tweeting out wanting, wanting charges brought on Trump for election fraud. So th- he sends out a tweet like that. Everyone forgets they're still counting votes in, in Arizona and Nevada. And we just had another. Mm-hmm. Listen, Katie Hobbs has warned for two years about these machines. And people go there in the biggest county and 70 out of 200. It's one out of three almost. Machines aren't working. And the media is shut up. Don't, don't pay attention to that. We'll find the winner next week. It's amazing to me. The, it's baffling. Baffling. Yeah, I know. And, and the, the reality is, is like, even if this is just complete incompetency and there's nothing funny business, no funny business going on. Again, I'm not making any claims on that. It's just the, the perception um, fuels all kinds of narratives. And uh, whether that be... You know, you know, it just opens up this Pandora's box for people to start, you know, creating all these narratives, whether they're true or false, whether the conspiracies or not. It's just like, and that creates all kinds of hoopla. And, you know, and then it creates a scenario where the media can come back and say, you know, the same thing about Republicans and conservatives, like simply by being like, why is it simply saying, why is it taking so long? Suddenly you're a conspiracy theorist, like simply by saying that. So I will say uh, this about, about Trump. I, I, it wouldn't make me mad if people picked DeSantis. He's a good candidate. I'm going to go with Trump. And if it was me, I would never go against Trump because in my opinion, I, th- I think he will end your career. Look how, look what he did to Liz Cheney. How's she looking? Remember Ben Sass, yeah. Adam Kinzinger. We could go on and on and on and on and on. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know. And, and there are certain people, right. That he, Donald Trump, brought to the attention I put just kind of shine the light on and was kind of like hey this really this person really isn't a conservative this person in these aspects right like the, or whatever it might have been but um it's just I don't I, I me personally I just and I I'm I have a toleration for some of this because I understand politics or like I get it I've been around it but like the whole vindictive nature and the tribalism and like this sort of like mafia like mindset like if you don't agree with me that i'm going to end you it's like i just it's not i don't think it's healthy for anybody um i think that there needs to be people who have spines people need to have a backbone it's i think definitely a lot of americans which gravitated to trump was like finally someone with a backbone like finally um but like i also think there's room for understanding politics like, like gravitas and having uh you know a good at least decent civility in some aspect especially towards your own your own people uh the people who are with you fighting the, the fight that you're fighting trying to navigate these waters and um there's only one trump <laughs> you know him it becomes a complete debacle um i'm just of the opinion that i'm 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 looking at the whole scene. I'm reading the electorate. I'm seeing what I see on the ground. And I'm just seeing exhaustion, utter exhaustion. And I just politically, I'm thinking what's best for this country as well. Um, and I just don't know. I, I, I'm still trying to sort through all that. Well, people yeah. don't care in general. People don't care in general until they do. You, it's it's going to be too hard. And to have them care, I told this to Mark, you're going to need like a, a Pearl Harbor or Cuban Missile Crisis type of event where everyone just stops and just pays attention. Like how COVID was. The first day of COVID, I think everyone stopped and watched that Trump press conference. It's got to be something something like that. And I just don't think we're there. No one really cares about the issues. It would seem by this election. Now, you say it might not be a red wave. I disagree. We have control of the House. I think we're going to have control of the Senate. 
that's that's good enough for me. I think we need to focus on what we're going to do now because yeah, we have two houses of Congress. Yeah, and of course that's the like I said a little bit earlier too. Um, I thought it was going to be much more significant. There was a lot of Republican sort of cockiness that got involved internally, including some major leaders in the Republican Party that started sort of bragging about some of the numbers they thought that were going to come in. Um, so it's a disappointment in that sense. But you're right. Like the reality is, is if we can still at least grab the House, the Senate, who knows? Uh, it just seems to be, especially runoffs in Georgia, I'm like get a little nervous about that. But just because of what happened last time. But the if you win those things back, that's good. Um, but both parties need to take heed in a sense that um, we've got to, the country is kind of passing like that, that little margin, it's getting smaller, this margin. And I think we may see in these coming election cycles, these flips back and forth, back and forth in minor ways, not major ways. Um, just because of people are trying to find this grounding right now. So much wackiness on both sides of the aisle. Um, and I'm not saying what the media is saying, wackiness, but I'm just pointing out that like the, there's just this narrative and this language that's being used that's pushing voters all around. And um, we, we've got to realize that there's really not a mandate for one party over the other. Like if, if Republicans get control here, it's not a mandate. Uh, it's, it's not some mandate to just go and do whatever you want or, or, or hold hearings, endless hearings that are not going to have any results come about. That's just going to continue to exhaust the people. It's not the messaging. If we truly care about our issues, our values, the things we love, we cannot make this a circus. We cannot make this a circus. And how do you do that with the media against you and all these institutions? Well, that's where, that's where we've got to figure that out. Yeah. Really? I fear right. by 2024. I fear by 2024, we're going to see a circus. So if just remind people every day what they voted for for the next two years, remind people every day what they voted for, because I think it's going to get a lot worse here in Pennsylvania. It could. Yeah. I mean, your governor, your new governor here, governor elect, he uh, he's made it very, very clear that he wants to be the first Jewish president of the United Um. I'm 100% convinced he's a politician's politician um, and he's doing, he's, he's really good at reading the tea leaves. He's really good at kind of trying to get a headwind of what he, what needs to be next. So, um, you know, he, he, there's, there's still, if he wants to be president of the United States, he can't be too insane. I guess you could say that's one, I guess, part that makes me feel a little better, but Hey, I don't know if you saw those pundits, they're talking about Fetterman for president. I saw it. I saw it. And they were serious. and they were very serious. Um, Not a joke. Uh, that I mean, uh, just the whole thing. It's just I just feel like it's it's. And I'm not even talking about the fact that he had you know his health problems. I just think, I think it's kind of disgraceful just the kind of way he dresses and presents himself in, before, in public. Before the stroke, um, you're exactly right. Before the stroke, he wasn't no whippersnapper. No, and like. It's just, it, it's not, I, for me, and, and maybe this is my old school conservatism. with dignity. Like, you don't show up in a hoodie and shorts. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, that's a degree. It's a degradation of your duties, but it's like. I with all know, the hey, fentanyl man, coming cool. in, you might as well dress like a drug addict with all the fentanyl coming in, probably. So. <laughs> All right, Roman, yeah. let's, um, let's wrap it up. But before we do that, uh, your prediction for 2024 presidential race, put you on the spot here. Who, um, who will it be? Well, if you take my last predictions, I don't know why anybody would want to listen to me with my last predictions about a red wave coming. But 
Um, I won't. I, I was sucked in by the. Out there, I'm just going to drop this. There's this guy named Scott Pressler who I got to meet a few times, and uh, I'm just saying that he's like the Scott. only dude like out there. I'm 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 name dropping him simply because he's the only dude out there. He tweeted uh, like it's early September that that he basically everything that just happened. He didn't think there was a red wave coming. He thought there was a red trickle, or at least just like a like a like a minor win for the Republicans, not what everyone was expecting, and by what he was seeing and hearing on the ground. So I appreciate, I respect that because everyone, he, he seemed to be the only one that actually got it right from what I read. But for 2024, um, and I don't know, I, 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 predictions like, it seems like Trump's gonna announce. And, um, I don't even know who the Democrats are gonna put. No, like, it seems to me like Biden's gonna stick it out. Like now, this this might actually be. Some people might say this might have been the best thing that could have happened to Republicans. That's the other flip side. It's not a red wave, and and we're actually going to be able to really double down and focus. And the and the Democrats are going to think, oh well, we can win with Biden still, and they're going to make that mistake, and the Republicans will sort of victory. Well, I, know, I, you're asking me for a prediction. I I just can't give you one right now. I feel like I need a couple months to let this stuff settle in. I, I just I know that's a weak response but i feel like it's the only thing i can do well um it's going to be interesting next two years are going to be you know two years to definitely pay attention to and see how things shake out with these elections elections have consequences and uh we'll see what happens but roman thank you very much for coming on again we appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon absolutely thanks so much guys and uh, thanks a lot roman. Me again all right no problem. thanks